Section eight of Tarzan the Terrible by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter eight. A lure. As the hissing reptile bore down upon the stranger swimming in the open water near the centre of the morass on the frontier of Paluldon, it seemed to the man that this indeed must be the futile termination of an arduous and danger-filled journey. It seemed, too, equally futile to pit his puny knife against this frightful creature. Had he been attacked on land, it is possible that he might, as a last resort, have used his Enfield though he had come thus far through all these weary danger-ridden miles without recourse to it though again and again had his life hung in the balance in the face of the savage denizens of forest jungle and steppe for whatever it may have been for which he was preserving his precious ammunition he evidently held it more sacred even than his life for as yet he had not used a single round and now the decision was not required of him since it would have been impossible for him to have unslung his enfield loaded and fired with the necessary celerity while swimming though his chance for survival seemed slender and hope at its lowest ebb he was not minded therefore to give up without a struggle instead he drew his blade and awaited the oncoming reptile the creature was like no living thing he ever before had seen although possibly it resembled a crocodile in some respects more than it did anything with which he was familiar as this frightful survivor of some extinct progenitor charged upon him with distended jaws there came to the man quickly a full consciousness of the futility of endeavouring to stay the mad rush or pierce the armour-coated hide with his little knife the thing was almost upon him now and whatever form of defence he chose must be made quickly there seemed but a single alternative to instant death and this he took at almost the instant the great reptile towered directly above him with the celerity of a seal he dove head foremost beneath the oncoming body and at the same instant turning upon his back he plunged his blade into the soft cold surface of the slimy belly as the momentum of the hurtling reptile carried it swiftly over him and then with powerful strokes he swam on beneath the surface for a dozen yards before he rose a glance showed him the stricken monster plunging madly in pain and rage upon the surface of the water behind him that it was writhing in its death agonies was evidenced by the fact that it made no effort to pursue him and so to the accompaniment of the shrill screaming of the dying monster the man won at last to the farther edge of the open water to take up once more the almost superhuman effort of crossing the last stretch of clinging mud which separated him from the solid ground of palul don a good two hours it took him to drag his now weary body through the clinging stinking muck but at last mud covered and spent he dragged himself out upon the soft grasses of the bank a hundred yards away a stream winding its way down from the distant mountains emptied into the morass and after a short rest he made his way to this and seeking a quiet pool bathed himself and washed the mud and slime from his weapons accoutrements and loincloth another hour was spent beneath the rays of the hot sun in wiping polishing and oiling his enfield though the means at hand for drying it consisted principally of dry grasses it was afternoon before he had satisfied himself that his precious weapon was safe from any harm by dirt or dampness 
and then he arose and took up the search for the spoor he had followed to the opposite side of the swamp would he find again the trail that had led into the opposite side of the morass to be lost there even to his trained senses if he found it not again upon this side of the almost impassable barrier he might assume that his long journey had ended in failure and so he sought up and down the verge of the stagnant water for traces of an old spoor that would have been invisible to your eyes or mine even had we followed directly in the tracks of its maker as tarzan advanced upon the gryfs he imitated as closely as he could recall them the methods and mannerisms of the torodon but up to the instant that he stood close beside one of the huge creatures he realized that his fate still hung in the balance for the thing gave forth no sign either menacing or otherwise it only stood there watching him out of its cold reptilian eyes and then tarzan raised his staff and with a menacing wee oo struck the griff a vicious blow across the face the creature made a sudden side-snap in his direction, a snap that did not reach him, and then turned sullenly away, precisely as it had when the Torodon commanded it. Walking around to its rear as he had seen the shaggy first man do, Tarzan ran up the broad tail and seated himself upon the creature's back, and then again, imitating the acts of the Torodon, he prodded it with the sharpened point of his staff, and thus goading it forward and guiding it with blows first upon one side and then upon the other he started it down the gorge in the direction of the valley at first it had been in his mind only to determine if he could successfully assert any authority over the great monsters realizing that in this possibility lay his only hope of immediate escape from his jailers but once seated upon the back of his titanic mount the ape-man experienced the sensation of a new thrill that recalled to him the day in his boyhood that he had first clambered to the broad back of tantor the elephant and this together with the sense of mastery that was always meat and drink to the lord of the jungle decided him to put his newly acquired power to some utilitarian purpose panat lee he judged must either already have reached safety or met with death at least no longer could he be of service to her while below Coriol griff in the soft green valley lay alur the city of light which since he had gazed upon it from the shoulder of pastar ul ved had been his ambition and his goal whether or not its gleaming walls held the secret of his lost mate he could not even guess but if she lived at all within the precincts of Paluldon, it must be among the hodon since the hairy black men of this forgotten world took no prisoners and so to allure he would go and how more effectively than upon the back of this grim and terrible creature that the races of paluldon held in such awe a little mountain stream tumbles down from coriol griff to be joined in the foothills with that which empties the waters of coriol lull into the valley forming a small river which runs southwest eventually entering the valley's largest lake at the city of allure through the centre of which the stream passes an ancient trail well marked by countless generations of naked feet of man and beast leads down toward allure beside the river and along this tarzan guided the griff once clear of the forest which ran below the mouth of the gorge tarzan caught occasional glimpses of the city gleaming in the distance far below him the country through which he passed was resplendent with the riotous beauties of tropical verdure thick lush grasses grew waist-high upon either side of the trail and the way was broken now and again by patches of open park-like forest 
or perhaps a little patch of dense jungle where the trees overarched the way and trailing creepers depended in graceful loops from branch to branch at times the ape-man had difficulty in commanding obedience upon the part of his unruly beast but always in the end its fear of the relatively puny goad urged it on to obedience late in the afternoon as they approached the confluence of the stream they were skirting and another which appeared to come from the direction of koryul ja the ape-man emerging from one of the jungle patches discovered a considerable party of hodon upon the opposite bank simultaneously they saw him and the mighty creature he bestrode for a moment they stood in wide-eyed amazement and then in answer to the command of their leader they turned and bolted for the shelter of the nearby wood the ape-man had but a brief glimpse of them but it was sufficient indication that there were wazdan with them doubtless prisoners taken in one of the raids upon the wazdan villages of which ta-den and omat had told him at the sound of their voices the griff had bellowed terrifically and started in pursuit even though a river intervened but by dint of much prodding and beating tarzan had succeeded in heading the animal back into the path though thereafter for a long time it was sullen and more intractable than ever as the sun dropped nearer the summit of the western hills tarzan became aware that his plan to enter a lure on the back of a griff was likely doomed to failure since the stubbornness of the great beast was increasing momentarily doubtless due to the fact that its huge belly was crying out for food the ape-man wondered if the torodons had any means of picketing their beasts for the night but as he did not know and as no plan suggested itself he determined that he should have to trust to the chance of finding it again in the morning there now arose in his mind a question as to what would be their relationship when tarzan had dismounted would it again revert to that of hunter and quarry or would fear of the goad continue to hold its supremacy over the natural instinct of the hunting flesh-eater tarzan wondered but as he could not remain upon the griff forever and as he preferred dismounting and putting the matter to a final test while it was still light he decided to act at once how to stop the creature he did not know as up to this time his sole desire had been to urge it forward by experimenting with his staff however he found that he could bring it to a halt by reaching forward and striking the thing upon its beak-like snout close by grew a number of leafy trees in any of which the ape-man could have found sanctuary but it had occurred to him that should he immediately take to the trees it might suggest to the mind of the griff that the creature that had been commanding him all day feared him with the result that tarzan would once again be held a prisoner by the triceratops and so when the griff halted tarzan slid to the ground struck the creature a careless blow across the flank as though in dismissal and walked indifferently away from the throat of the beast came a low rumbling sound and without even a glance at tarzan it turned and entered the river where it stood drinking for a long time convinced that the griff no longer constituted a menace to him the ape-man spurred on himself by the gnawing of hunger unslung his bow and selecting a handful of arrows set forth cautiously in search of food evidence of the near presence of which was being borne up to him by a breeze from down river ten minutes later he had made his kill again one of the poluldon specimens of antelope all species of which tarzan had known since childhood as bara the deer since in the little primer that had been the basis of his education the picture of a deer had been the nearest approach to the likeness of the antelope 
from the giant eland to the smaller bushbuck of the hunting grounds of his youth cutting off a haunch he cached it in a nearby tree and throwing the balance of the carcass across his shoulder trotted back toward the spot at which he had left the griff the great beast was just emerging from the river when tarzan seeing it issued the weird cry of the torodon the creature looked in the direction of the sound voicing at the same time the low rumble with which it answered the call of its master twice tarzan repeated his cry before the beast moved slowly toward him and when it had come within a few paces he tossed the carcass of the deer to it upon which it fell with greedy jaws if anything will keep it within call mused the ape-man as he returned to the tree in which he had cached his own portion of his kill it is the knowledge that i will feed it but as he finished his repast and settled himself comfortably for the night high among the swaying branches of his eyrie he had little confidence that he would ride into a lure the following day upon his prehistoric steed when tarzan awoke early the following morning he dropped lightly to the ground and made his way to the stream removing his weapons and loincloth he entered the cold waters of the little pool and after his refreshing bath returned to the tree for breakfast upon another portion of bara the deer adding to his repast some fruits and berries which grew in abundance nearby his meal over he sought the ground again and raising his voice in the weird cry that he had learned he called aloud on the chance of attracting the griff but though he waited for some time and continued calling there was no response and he was finally forced to the conclusion that he had seen the last of his great mount of the preceding day and so he set his face toward allure pinning his faith upon his knowledge of the hodon tongue his great strength and his native wit refreshed by food and rest the journey toward allure made in the cool of the morning along the bank of the joyous river he found delightful in the extreme differentiating him from his fellows of the savage jungle were many characteristics other than those physical and mental not the least of these were in a measure spiritual and one that had doubtless been as strong as another in influencing tarzan's love of the jungle had been his appreciation of the beauties of nature the apes cared more for a grubworm in a rotten log than for all the majestic grandeur of the forest giants waving above them the only beauties that numa acknowledged were those of his own person as he paraded them before the admiring eyes of his mate but in all the manifestations of the creature power of nature of which tarzan was cognizant he appreciated the beauties as tarzan neared the city his interest became centered upon the architecture of the outlying buildings which were hewn from the chalk-like limestone of what had once been a group of low hills similar to many of the grass-covered hillocks that dotted the valley in every direction ta den's explanation of the hodon methods of house construction accounted for the oft-times remarkable shapes and proportions of the buildings which during the ages that must have been required for their construction had been hewn from the limestone hills the exteriors chiselled to such architectural forms as appealed to the eyes of the builders while at the same time following roughly the original outlines of the hills in an evident desire to economize both labor and space the excavation of the apartments within had been similarly governed by necessity as he came nearer tarzan saw that the waste material from these building operations had been utilized in the construction of outer walls about each building or group of buildings resulting from a single hillock 
and later he was to learn that it had also been used for the filling of inequalities between the hills and the forming of paved streets throughout the city the result possibly more of the adoption of an easy method of disposing of the quantities of broken limestone than by any real necessity for pavements there were people moving about within the city and upon the narrow ledges and terraces that broke the lines of the buildings and which seemed to be a peculiarity of hodon architecture a concession no doubt to some inherent instinct that might be traced back to their early cliff-dwelling progenitors tarzan was not surprised that at a short distance he aroused no suspicion or curiosity in the minds of those who saw him since until closer scrutiny was possible there was little to distinguish him from a native either in his general conformation or his colour he had of course formulated a plan of action and having decided he did not hesitate in the carrying out his plan with the same assurance that you might venture upon the main street of a neighbouring city tarzan strode into the hodon city of alur the first person to detect his spuriousness was a little child playing in the arched gateway of one of the walled buildings no tail no tail it shouted throwing a stone at him and then it suddenly grew dumb and its eyes wide as it sensed that this creature was something other than a mere hodon warrior who had lost his tail with a gasp the child turned and fled screaming into the courtyard of its home tarzan continued on his way fully realizing that the moment was imminent when the fate of his plan would be decided nor had he long to wait since the next turning of the winding street he came face to face with a hodon warrior he saw the sudden surprise in the latter's eyes followed instantly by one of suspicion but before the fellow could speak tarzan addressed him i am a stranger from another land he said i would speak with kotan your king the fellow stepped back laying his hand upon his knife there are no strangers that come to the gates of allure he said other than as enemies or slaves i come neither as a slave nor an enemy replied tarzan i come directly from jad ben otho look and he held out his hands that the hodan might see how greatly they differed from his own and then wheeled about that the other might see that he was tailless for it was upon this fact that his plan had been based due to his recollection of the quarrel between Taden and omat in which the wazdan had claimed that jad ben otho had a long tail while the hodan had been equally willing to fight for his faith in the taillessness of his god the warrior's eyes widened and an expression of awe crept into them though it was still tinged with suspicion jad ben otho he murmured and then it is true that you are neither hodan nor wazdan and it is also true that jad ben otho has no tail come he said i will take you to kotan for this is a matter in which no common warrior may interfere follow me and still clutching the handle of his knife and keeping a wary side glance upon the ape-man he led the way through allur the city covered a large area sometimes there was a considerable distance between groups of buildings and again they were quite close together there were numerous imposing groups evidently hewn from the larger hills often rising to a height of a hundred feet or more as they advanced they met numerous warriors and women all of whom showed great curiosity in the stranger but there was no attempt to menace him when it was found that he was being conducted to the palace of the king 
they came at last to a great pile that sprawled over a considerable area its western front facing upon a large blue lake and evidently hewn from what had once been a natural cliff this group of buildings was surrounded by a wall of considerably greater height than any that tarzan had before seen his guide led him to a gateway before which waited a dozen or more warriors who had risen to their feet and formed a barrier across the entranceway as tarzan and his party appeared around the corner of the palace wall for by this time he had accumulated such a following of the curious as presented to the guards the appearance of a formidable mob the guide's story told tarzan was conducted into the courtyard where he was held while one of the warriors entered the palace evidently with the intention of notifying Kotan. fifteen minutes later a large warrior appeared followed by several others all of whom examined tarzan with every sign of curiosity as they approached the leader of the party halted before the ape-man who are you he asked and what do you want of Kotan the king i am a friend replied the ape-man and i have come from the country of jad ben otho to visit Kotan of pal-ul-don the warrior and his followers seemed impressed tarzan could see the latter whispering among themselves how came you here asked the spokesman and what do you want of Kotan? tarzan drew himself to his full height enough he cried must the messenger of jad ben otho be subjected to the treatment that might be accorded to a wandering wazdan take me to the king at once lest the wrath of jad ben otho fall upon you there was some question in the mind of the ape-man as to how far he might carry his unwarranted show of assurance and he waited therefore with amused interest the result of his demand he did not however have long to wait for almost immediately the attitude of his questioner changed he whitened cast an apprehensive glance toward the eastern sky and then extended his right palm toward tarzan placing his left over his own heart in the sign of amity that was common among the peoples of pal-ul-don tarzan stepped quickly back as though from a profaning hand a feigned expression of horror and disgust upon his face stop he cried who would dare touch the sacred person of the messenger of jad ben otho only as a special mark of favor from jad ben otho may even Kotan himself receive this honor from me hasten already now have i waited too long what manner of reception the hodan of allure would extend to the son of my father at first tarzan had been inclined to adopt the role of jad ben otho himself but it occurred to him that it might prove embarrassing and considerable of a bore to be compelled constantly to portray the character of a god but with the growing success of his scheme it had suddenly occurred to him that the authority of the son of jad ben otho would be far greater than that of an ordinary messenger of a god while at the same time giving him some leeway in the matter of his acts and demeanour the ape-man reasoning that a young god would not be held so strictly accountable in the matter of his dignity and bearing as an older and greater god this time the effect of his words was immediately and painfully noticeable upon all those near him with one accord they shrank back the spokesman almost collapsing in evident terror his apologies when finally the paralysis of his fear would permit him to voice them were so abject that the ape-man could scarce repress a smile of amused contempt have mercy o dor otho he pleaded on poor old Duklut. precede me and i will show you to where Kotan the king awaits you trembling aside snakes and vermin he cried pushing his warriors to right and left for the purpose of forming an avenue for tarzan 
come cried the ape-man peremptorily lead the way and let these others follow the now thoroughly frightened daklot did as he was bid and tarzan of the apes was ushered into the palace of Kotan, the king of paludan end of chapter eight read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com